Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I am Nick Jenkins and today I am joined by my two friends, Tobin Addington and Matthew Gatos. Tobin, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tobin. Okay, <laughs> Matt. Hi, I'm not Tobin. Good. Okay, I think we're all caught up. Today was uh, a film suggested by Matthew Gatos. Yay. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this was... This was a ride. Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty solid film altogether. We're probably going to wrap this up in about two minutes. Just all say thumbs up and move on, right? Yeah, like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this film is called Dead 7, and it is – I've just been lovingly referring to it as the Backstreet Boys zombie film. But There's only one of those, so it's a pretty easy description. It's true, but it's so much more than a Backstreet Boys. There's so many more boy bands in here. <laughs> most most of them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> most of them who were uh, popular for about a minute and a half. Yeah. Like Some O-Town. Less. <laughs> like All for One. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing we like to do with this is to do a 60-second brain dump. Eh, not a brain dump, but a plot dump. And uh, Matt is going to choose somebody to do that. All right. I feel like neither one of you really want to, so it's more fun for me um, <laughs> to like like make one of you do this. Um, let me get the timer ready for this 60-second plot dump. I think I'm going to pick Tobin. Okay. Mm because I have uh, talked to Nick a little, bit, a little bit about this movie already earlier today uh, off mic. So I'd like to hear Tobin's recap of it. Uh, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. And... Go. So two generations after a zombie apocalypse, humanity is living on the edge of extinction in settlements that I think are supposed to look like the Old West. Um, there's this woman who is um, uh, with murky motivations who's turned some of the zombies into kind of an army. She can kind of control them sometimes, but not other times. It's a little <laughs> unclear. She has two helpers who also can, are not zombies but can also control them at some times. Her name's Apocalypta, so I think she's trying to wipe out humanity with an apocalypse. Uh, the, 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 a group of pop, uh, former pop stars uh, get together. They're not pop stars in the movie. They're pop stars in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, get together and decide to um, take her down. And they rip off a bunch of much, much better movies and gather seven zombie killers of various levels of um, uh, skill and stupidity. Uh, and then they, off they go to, to wipe out Apocalypta and they're, they're spraying zombie brains everywhere. And they, they meet this uh, scythe-wielding uh, witch and they defeat her, uh, Apocalypta's army, and credits roll and I barf. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that was a one minute. I think, yeah, I like your mix of opinion and plot yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that's I don't a... think that's opinion. I think that was all objective <laughs> truth. That I was think... objective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I did like that. Uh, the the one last note there that should be added in is they all died. They all died. Yes. Dead yes. seven yes, yes. is because they all ended up dead. They... All See, seven of them. I, well, no, from, actually, no. From the trailer... Wait, didn't did Serene live? Serene oh, lives, Serene but lady. does she count as one of the seven? I don't think she's one of the seven. I don't think she, she does when, when her thing comes up. It oh. says she is number oh. seven of oh, the seven. Oh, that stupid thing with the things. Yes, oh, right. Yes. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it uses tropes from better movies, as you said. Mm -hmm. And one of them right there is the the oh God, the harsh black and white. Not black, gray and white. Not grayscale. No. It is just black <laughs> and white yeah. um, photography that's used. They use clips from the movie to introduce these characters, and it's noisy, and it's, you know, it's meant to rip off sort of a Tarantino style. Or a Sin City thing. Yeah, or a Sin yeah. City yeah. thing. Uh, for introing these characters. Yeah, each mm -hmm. character is introduced with a very the harsh intro, and every there's like 
chapters to the movie as well that are introduced. And they're not, they're titled things like The Mindful of Zombies. Mm -hmm. And so this is before they've gone into the mine. They decided to go towards the mine. You, but you as the audience get to know that like, oh, they're gonna die. <laughs> like the the chapter before they go to a brothel is called the trap, and it's like, well, clearly this is gonna be a trap. Yeah. So like every chapter title in this movie also just gives away the yeah, next right, ten right. minutes of the movie in a really strange decision. I like the idea of chapters in a movie. I always oh, I don't have, mind the yeah. chapters. No, no, no. I, 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 but I agree with you. Like the chapters in this movie were weird because mm-hmm. you're like any bit of like at first I was like oh okay chapter one attack on wherever they were I think yeah. is what it was and I, I was that's like the best great. name chapter in the movie <laughs> let's get things started because you don't yes. really know what's going on yet you're given uh basically a very similar plot synopsis uh that the way you started yours off with is like 20 years after the apocalypse this has happened and you get that in a voiceover at the beginning right. that actually tells you quite a fair bit of story that you yeah. maybe wouldn't expect from such a simple movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually do fill in a lot of the holes of the lore of this little weird world. And sort yet... Of. Oh, yeah, they leave a lot of them <laughs> wide open. But there are... But they do try. They do try to create yeah. mythology here, for like, sure. Like, for most of the movie, they're referring to the zombies as copperheads. And it's a really dumb name for zombies. Uh, but I think they're going for that Walking Dead trope of, like, everyone has different names for them, never the word zombie. Mm-hmm. And so... I think, and they, then you find out that that come the it, first zombies came from copper mines. Yeah, it was from the mining thing, and that's why it was copperheads. And I was like, okay, at least you have a reason. Yeah, yeah. for calling them copperheads, you didn't just decide one day to call them that. And it was Serene's grand Serene's grandfather was, was like patient zero, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or one of them. Yeah, the first one that sh- that anyone yeah. was aware of. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, something important to anyone who hasn't seen this movie as well is that... Yes, please tell us about this movie. <laughs> uh, this movie, Dead 7, is a an Asylum product. Uh, Asylum, which has brought us things like Sharknado and uh, many films I think we talked about last week uh, on Troll 2. Yeah, we did talk about it. Um, we talked about Asylum quite a bit. Uh, this is a movie that was conceived by Nick Carter of, of the Backstreet Boys. Um, I think I will be the resident uh, boy band expert on this week's podcast. I don't. Was, was he actually in the, or wasn't he? No, the younger Aaron brother Carter. of Aaron Carter was the is the brother. Yes, Aaron Nick Carter, Carter is Nick a Carter brother was in the band. Yes, got it. Okay. Nick Carter is one of the Backstreet it's Boys. It's really important that I know which Carter was in the yes, band. Yes, I okay. will help you out. Thank My you. boy band knowledge is deep. Good, good, good. So bye, Nick, bye, bye, bye. That's not them, Nick. That's in sync. That's Joey Fatone, the best actor in the movie. We'll get to him. No, um, he is not. <laughs> Deborah Wilson is the best actor in this movie. <laughs> Dead Seven was conceived by Nick Carter. It's a story by Nick Carter credit. So I think it's Nick Carter one night says so like, you know it'd be cool <laughs> if cowboys and ninjas and Native American and apocalyptic people came together to fight zombies. And they were all from boy bands. And they were all from boy bands. <laughs> yeah. I have some friends I, I can call. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was released surprisingly in 2016. I uh, want to stop you right there because that is the first. When I was watching this, mm-hmm. I had I legitimately had, I remember hearing about it being shot in uh, Butte. Right. It so was shot re- very, very near to where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so I remember hearing about it. I don't remember when I heard about it. <laughs> I had like dissociated when I'd heard about it uh-huh. from like anything else. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, 
2004, 2005, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to just look mm. on IMDb as I was watching, and it was 2016. Yeah, this was shot in 2015. Oh he came God. up with the idea in 2014, and it was released in 2016. Well, I'll say this. Very, he's efficient. Yeah, very efficient. <laughs> um, that's what the Asylum is known for, is their efficiency. Got an idea. Go, film it. Make yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the screenwriter on this has, like, one other credit that I've never heard of. There's not much information to be found about this screenwriter, so mm. I don't know if it's a friend of Nick Carter's. Right, right. Uh, because the director is someone who has directed Nick Carter's music videos mm. and also has directed, like, 125 episodes of Big Brother. So oh. it's mostly, like, a TV music video director, hmm. which I think is also uh, somewhat telling of Apparent, the final product yeah. mm-hmm. of, like, the the style of filmmaking in this is very, very fast editing. Mm-hmm. Like, the shot lengths are, like... <sighs> One second, two mm-hmm. seconds a piece, right, and then right. it cuts to the next thing. When we first started the movie, when I first started the movie, I would say within 20 seconds, I started having this sinking feeling in my stomach. I'm going, oh, God, this is hard to watch because the editing was just so in your face. Mm-hmm. And it it calmed down a bit after that. I mean, it's still overly cut. Like, it is it, yeah. any... any f- editor should with worth their salt would look at this and say this is overcut but at the same time who knows what the footage actually looked like <laughs> right. that they were working with this editor might have salvaged a movie out of something that might have seemed unsalvageable and the yeah. way you do that is by cutting, cutting the hell out of it yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. there's this was to be like they did release this on TV first on sci-fi mm-hmm. and I think I think they struggled to hit that hour and a half length because there are so many shots of nature <laughs> just thrown into this movie to fill time where it's like you hear like an eagle caw and then there's right, like right. a drone shot of nature and then a picture of a mountain and then this other shot of nature and then this other shot of a mountain and it's just like if you take all the nature stock footage in this movie and add it up it's probably a good 15 minutes of the movie <laughs> and it's like I just had this thought does anybody else find it weird that a lot of times low budget filmmakers have a tough time making it to 90 minutes it is interesting. And high-budget filmmakers have a tough time <laughs> making it, getting it down yeah. to, to two hours. Yeah, that's true. Like the the what like the rumored cut of Justice League was like four hours. The first rough cut of it, and then yeah. it got down to like two fifty, and then finally down to like two hours. But like that is definitely the reverse problem. You're right. Right. Yeah. Like there are lots of right. those really cheap like Netflix movies you put on, and there's filled with stock footage. Yeah. Or filled with like little throwaway shots that mean nothing and they're just time filler. It's just adding some meat in there to like be like, but let's get this to an hour and a half. What is that? Like, why? Why is there that dichotomy? You know? Yeah, well, it's a smaller canvas. They have to be, with with the smaller budget, you're working with a smaller canvas anyway, right? So you're going to have, I mean, this has, I guess, has a lot of characters, although I'm not sure you can call any of them characters. <laughs> has a lot of people running around with names doing things. But, I but, think Apocalypta is a character. Okay. I think Whiskey Joe's a character. <laughs> he likes whiskey and his name is Joe. Perhaps we're veering into caricature. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. No, no, I j- j- just just to say that the the smaller the canvas, sometimes the the you know, the the movie doesn't need to be um the, the story can't sustain 2 hours. 
two and a half hours, as opposed to then when you get uh, all of the, I can make an argument about Christopher Nolan getting more and more resources and the movies get more and more bloated mm-hmm. and then are, are, are long again, not for any any apparent reason in some cases. And I, I think I think that may have some something to do with it, just that the canvas is bigger. And so the there's more, they, they can do more, they've got more money, they're going to put more on screen, they're going to have more scenes, just more. So you just have the ability to not really self-edit in writing even. Maybe, yeah. And I, think like, I don't maybe. have to worry about... Right you know, sticking myself in one location. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to worry about that. I can just write the story as I see it. And then you get it and you're like, yeah, budgetarily we can do this. Off we go. Right, right. And I think Nolan is an outlier where I do think his problem is like overwriting a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And in the best of ways, a lot of times, like I love Dunkirk and Dunkirk is the shortest one of his movies in a long time. Um, And I think that was maybe his goal is to make something a little bit tighter. But I think with you also get with things like Justice League and the Avengers and all that. It's like you're going to have 20 characters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some of these people the audience doesn't know. Maybe they didn't see their solo movie. Right, right. You got a lot of a lot of them didn't have a solo. Right, movie. Right, right, right. Especially with Justice League now, where it's like all these new characters are going to need to be introduced in this new movie. I have no idea how they're going to cram that in. Yeah. But I know they're gonna yeah. cram it in. Right. Um, well, they're trying to give them all arcs too. Yeah, in, in movies that are more competently written, they're trying not. To, they don't just have the seven heroes. They have the seven heroes, and they're all going to have a moment, and they're all going to even if they don't work, they're going to yeah. try and make an arc for everybody. Which which this movie isn't attempting to do in most cases. Um, yeah. Before we were recording, um, we were talking about Thor Ragnarok because I just went and saw it, and, and I really loved it. And it was I was talking about how the Avengers is still my favorite Marvel film. And part of it had to do with me watching it and just having this experience and figuring it out of like, oh, they figured it out. Mm, they cracked mm. it. Joss Whedon cracked the code. I think I think they actually nailed this and being surprised by that. And it, and it occurs to me if I go back, yeah, there's a lot of characters in there, but really only one has an arc. Mm, and that's mm. Tony Stark. Tony Stark has the arc of going from selfish to selfless mm-hmm, by the end. Yeah. You know well, what I, I mean? I think they also – they choose to do that depending on the movie. Like obviously well, sure. Captain America Civil War is a movie with most of the Avengers. Right. But it's Captain America's story at the heart of it. Right. And in that one, it's obviously easier because it's his movie. It's got his name in the mm-hmm. title. It's easier to tell. But I like when they do that of picking one or two of the characters to focus the arc on rather than – Again, I keep shitting on this movie, but Justice League, the trailers, I don't know. The movie we have not seen yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. It'll probably end up on this podcast. And Matt is pushing that to be for to <laughs> be our first wow. no to be our first theatrical oh wow. like the first one we do the yeah, week yeah, it week comes of release out. kind of yeah, thing. yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, I, I have high hopes that it's going to be deserving of the, being this podcast. Look, um, I <laughs> I don't like to see people fail. I no. really don't. I I want to see. I I want to see unless they are terrible people. <laughs> I don't right. I don't want to see them fail. And Zack yeah. Snyder seems like an all right guy. Yeah, and he has some really good visual storytelling capabilities. And he just so uses the same ones. Well, he does, but a lot time. of a lot of directors do. And I, I so I'm not hoping that <laughs> Justice League is bad. Okay, yeah. I'm just looking at it, and I keep having the same reaction of like, I don't know how this is going to come together mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. anything usable. And that's my thought process too. Like, I don't want I want to go to see Justice League and be like, holy cow, favorite superhero movie ever. That is my wish. And that could be our podcast. That, that day. would right. be which, I would, which could be interesting. Yeah. I would gladly yeah. admit to that. But like, seeing Suicide Squad, seeing Batman v Superman, uh, even Man of Steel. Yeah, even Man of Steel. Like. 
the fact that Wonder Woman was great doesn't give me hope for the rest of that movie. It's the <laughs> exception that, right. that proves, proves the rule. The rule. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I'm sure they're gonna like they're doing reshoots and edits, and they're gonna put a lot more Wonder Woman in that movie sure, for sure because they know people loved it. But I don't know that that's gonna help. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, but it just it's just a mess of a movie. I assume. And I feel like <laughs> talking about Dead 7, that is the one thing I came up with. This is a mess. It doesn't It doesn't yeah. really have – I had to ask Matt when we started talking about it, what were they trying to do again? Mm-hmm. Like, and that is very unclear. Mm-hmm. Like you said in your plot uh, wrap-up that they decide they're going to go kill Apocalypta. Right. Pretty much because she is terrorizing the towns with her army of zombies. Apparently. Right. But we don't – one, it looks like she has ten mm-hmm. zombies. They like go to her corral, and it looks like she's got ten. Mm-hmm. So that's not that hard to right. kill. Um, and then we don't really get to know how many zombies are left in the world right. outside of this one town. Right. Like, okay, cool. You killed the main bad lady. You're all dead. Is the rest of the world still screwed? Right. Like, are there still millions of zombies running around the world? Or... Is this it? Right. And so that was really unclear to me. And because they all die and she dies, everyone just loses, I think, and the zombies win. Yeah. So (laughs) I feel like that's what they were trying to go for was this – and it's one of the same things that (sighs) – I hate talking about this movie – by talking about other movies. <laughs> but, but let's keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. Is he bringing up Justice League again? No, <laughs> I'm bringing up Rogue One. Okay. Ah, okay. That like... Spoilers. Yeah, okay. So there's... <laughs> just in I case... I sense spoilers are coming. There are some spoilers coming here for Rogue One. Uh, if you don't want to hear them, I will put a time code of when we stop talking about Rogue One uh, in, the, in the description. But starting right now, so a lot of the reason that some people cite for really liking Rogue One, and the interesting thing is all three of us in this room do not like Rogue One, uh, is that, oh, everybody died and it was dark. <laughs> and, and you know, that's not a reason. I don't find that to be a reason to like a movie. Any action movie with any violence is going to have a lot of death. And if you are excited about your hero dying, maybe you need to examine some things. There was only one death I cared about in Rogue One, and that was K2SO. It was the robot. (laughs) The only death in that entire movie where I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) I find it to be a very uh, adolescent thing that adolescent Nick would have... Mm. gravitated towards. I thought you were talking about Nick Carter for a second. Sorry, oh, you. probably well, him, him too. too. Yeah. I think yeah. him too. Or this, even today, I would yeah. think. <laughs> this, this idea of like, oh, that's what makes it serious. That's what carries the weight is that everybody dies. Mm-hmm. And okay, I think we're done talking about Rogue One here. But that was my, <laughs> my thing is like, I think a lot of people are attracted to that element mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. And I had absolutely no feeling about anything. Anybody here. Anybody. Yeah. Like, with the slight exception of... Um, I had two exceptions. I think I think Deborah Wilson did a very interesting job, which she was Apocalypta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt and I were talking earlier, and he was like, "I wonder if they told her what movie she was in." <laughs> yeah, because she, like, she feels like she's in a completely different type of movie as most of the characters in this film yeah, do. Yeah. But but I'd she, rather see hers than a lot of the. It other. also oh, seems yeah. like she didn't get to see the other parts of the script. Mm-hmm. Like they gave her her lines to say, mm-hmm. like. Five minutes before they rolled the camera and were like, yell these, please. Uh, Here's some language you're going to speak these in. Um, Go. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she did that. I mean, she really she went, went for it. Oh, like, yeah. I'd say if anyone like is committed to their role wholeheartedly in this film, it is Deborah Wilson. And while we're talking about it, I did want to bring up the cast because... Go for it. Uh, oh, we've right, mentioned right. a few of the boy band members and a few of the boy bands, but I wanted to run through some of these because it is a lot of boy band <laughs> members. Uh, your main characters are... Nick Carter plays Jack. He is a cowboy sheriff type character. He's like the man in black... Uh, the, the gunslinger. The gunslinger. The gunslinger. You, yeah. you hear about him early on, like, uh, he'll never show up. Right. And then he shows up right when he needs to. <laughs> um, his brother, who says, he'll never show up, is played by Jeff Timmons, <laughs> which is the buff guy from 98 Degrees. Uh, Dude's huge. He's just jacked. Yeah. And he has his shirt off a few times in this movie. So, And both times I was like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly <laughs> those scenes too. are. would be Yeah. Yeah, those, cle- those scenes are in there so that you can look at him shirtless. Mm-hmm. That's. Nothing wrong with that. No, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe- we're talking about, going back to Justice League and he, <laughs> the trailers Jason Momoa shows up I'm like alright I'm fine let's yeah. watch Jason Momoa <laughs> yeah. like I was pitching them my, <laughs> again more Justice League talk uh, <laughs> but my idea for the perfect Justice League movie is a Jay, Jay and Silent Bob style movie where the Jay character is played by Wonder Woman <laughs> so she gets all of the lines uh-huh. all of the jokes uh-huh. all of the fun uh-huh. and Aquaman Jason Momoa just stands there silently, shirtless through the entire film. <laughs> Until and it's just at one those point, two, he says, "My man." Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, I, I'm sold. I'm that's sold. it. That's the whole movie. Flash, he doesn't need to be there. Cyborg doesn't need to be there. <laughs> Batman, maybe he can pop up just for some plot connectivity to the last movie. But that's my idea for the perfect, perfect Justice League movie. Uh, continuing with the cast of this movie, however, uh, we've got Joey Fatone from NSYNC playing Whiskey Joe. Uh, Wait, again, he went for it. Mm-hmm. Really went for mm-hmm. it. Uh, as far as people who stay in their character throughout the mo- the movie, I think he is one of the few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he, he leans into it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have not Ke- a good actor, but no. he no. really leaned into mm-hmm. it. He tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if you saw him in a, like a local like theater production, you'd, you'd be like, like hey, I like that guy. He seemed to know the the movie he was in. Yes, yes, that's a very good point. <laughs> he knew the movie mm-hmm. he was in. Right, right. Uh, Carrie Keegan plays Daisy Jane. Uh, I don't know precisely what you would know Carrie Keegan from. She was on uh, a series of uh, Celebrity Apprentice. She has been a Playboy playmate. Playmate. She has been on reality shows. She's been on TV a lot, mm-hmm. but not in like a giant role that you would maybe know her. Yeah, from. and I think she's done a couple other acting things, but nothing like. Yeah, big. she's actually perfectly fine in here. Yeah, she kind of yeah. plays like more of a typical zombie movie character with like lots of. Like weapons strapped to her yeah, and her cargo right, right. pants, and she's the tough chick. She's yeah, the Laura Croft of this. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah. very much dressed like Laura Croft, um, and has lots of lines of like talking down to the men because that's how Nick Carter probably envisions a feminist character. Mm-hmm. Is like, right. Uh, right. she's gonna mm-hmm. shoot the zombie and then look at the guy like, yeah, wuss. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've got AJ McLean from Backstreet Boys as Johnny Vermillion, which is as essentially the, Jack the Sparrow meets the Joker. Yeah. Uh, he mm-hmm. kind of walks around slurring his words a lot like this and then suddenly laughs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yep. he works for Apocalypta, who is played by Deborah Wilson, and he's the one who kind of sicks the zombies on the other, yeah. the good guys. Or turns people into zombies. Yeah. yeah. He's got some sort of little. <laughs> it's hard to say what he does. He has an injection that he gives people. One time. Well, yes, we see two people get the injection. Yeah, true. Uh, one is not him. Yeah. Giving it. Right. Yeah, we right. see we see one zombie that is in captivity 
uh, for Deborah Wilson that she focuses on this one zombie for the entire yeah. film for some reason. Uh, well, so I figured my, that was how she's training them. Well, yeah, but if but she did all of them, that was one of my questions. She goes through this great initiation ritual. Well, not great. This yeah. big initiation ritual with this. but And she did that for all of them? Yeah. The time that would take? But again, we don't know how many. Well, there, but there are, yeah. there are at least, at least enough, 10 or 15. Uh, yeah. In the one swarm, there's a good <laughs> 25, 50. Uh, and if, yeah, if she spent like days yeah, training each and every one, one by of them, one? that's ah, ridiculous. Ah. Um, Tobin doesn't buy it. No, I don't, I don't buy it either. That like by the end of the movie, I'm like, she's still talking to this one dude. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and the other person we see get a shot from AJ McLean. Well, we actually don't see it happen. We assume it happens. Mm. Is a poor little orphan boy mm-hmm. named Georgie, <laughs> who is being raised by the sheriff uh, in town, played by John Cicada. Uh, he plays Sheriff Cooper, and. That's, again, one of those moments in the movie where we see A.J. McLean stop and talk to this young orphan boy who's playing with a car or something like that and clearly says he's going to turn him into a zombie. He's right. like, I can, I can reunite you with your parents. <laughs> and then it cuts away to another scene. And the like, kid just sits there. Oh, yeah. He doesn't do anything. But we cut away to another scene and it goes on and like there's like a day of time like, <laughs> yeah. like going on and all this stuff is happening and they're getting ready to go fight Apocalypta. And then in the middle of the scene, the sheriff suddenly goes, I got to go check on my orphan son, Georgie. And we're like, what? (laughs) That was like at least a day ago Uh uh that we saw him get murdered by A.G. McLean. You should have checked on him a while ago. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he goes back to the spot where we last saw him, the open doorway next to the staircase. And there's a car. There's no Georgie. And then he turns around. There's zombie Georgie, who then bites him and turns Sheriff Cooper into a zombie. Instantly, immediately, or Copperhead. Sorry, yeah, please. I didn't please. buy into the lore. Um, we've also got in this movie Eric Michael Estrada from O Town as Komodo. I would. <laughs> I will. Oh, I'm, <laughs> just keep going, please. <laughs> Do that gladly. <laughs> Bravo! Uh, I watched the show. I did too. Oh, making the I band did too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think the only O Town member not in this film is Ashley Parker Angel. Well, yeah, he's probably got something. He's doing something, but he actually... Very good-looking man. He left O-Town, I think, uh, before the band broke up or finished or whatever Mm -hmm. they're currently doing. I'm not sure. But he had left the band at some point. So it kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be in this. Right. So for those of you... good for him. Yes, good for him. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a a show on in the late 90s, Mm -hmm. early 2000s called Making the Band that was about forming a boy band that was made by the crooked uh, Ron... It was... Something Pearl, Lou, Pearlman, Lou Pearlman, the guy yeah. who created Insync and Backstreet Boys yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, turns out I think he's still in jail or has died in jail. I think he might have died in jail a couple of years ago. But yeah. yes, he essentially was stealing money from everyone, doing yeah. many illegal things. Terrible dude. And uh, but he put together this boy band, and th- the show was one of the more compelling things I have ever watched <laughs> because it just really was a bunch of these these guys were trying, they yeah, were trying yeah, yeah. to do something, but yeah. every time they had an idea about where to go with it, they got shot down. Right. Especially one of the guys who's in here. See, the thing is, I did not watch that show. Surprisingly, well, there's another guy in here. Uh, yes, the other there. people from O Town that are in this movie are uh, Trevor Pennick. Trevor uh, is who I'm thinking. He of. plays Bo the Ranger. Uh, Jacob Underwood. Plays Stamper. Mm-hmm. Oh no, who, Jacob is who I'm. Who thinking I of. cannot remember who Stamper was. I in saw that a movie. picture of him, and I'm like, I don't remember who this guy <laughs> is. Yeah, maybe he was one of the bad guys uh, that was just kind of playing poker and pulling teeth from people. I don't remember. It and feels then, like there are a lot of cameos in this. Yes, that are, yeah, uh, yeah. And the yeah. other member of O Town is Dan Miller. Uh, he plays uh, Butch the bartender. 
Oh, um, yeah. Right. With which the... that guy actually has a part where he's fighting off zombies and then gets ripped to shreds right. because they need some sacrificial lambs in this mm-hmm. movie. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that's all the members of O-Town. I was – yeah, I did not watch Making the Band. I mean, I found it – uh, really compelling, but maybe a lot of people didn't. I, I have no idea. I think yeah. they tried to make a second one, but I. I think they did actually. Ugh, I'm not gonna stake these things as facts, but I feel like the Pussycat Dolls are a product of a show like hmm. that. No idea. I think it was like making know. the band two with P Diddy, and he was like forming a girl group. Oh, I have a memory of this. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> maybe. Right. I don't know if it's the Pussycat. I don't know either anymore. But I think it's like one of those bands. That I'm pretty sure it was a P Diddy joint. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't remember. But while you were mentioning other like cameos and stuff, like we've got the singer of Everclear, <laughs> Art uh, Alex Axis or whatever. Wow. I don't remember how you yeah. say his last name, but he in at one point is just in the bar, and they're like, "Well, if you if you want to stay in the bar, you got to sign up for our team." He's like, "I'm out of here," <laughs> and like five and minutes later, walk- he comes yeah. back as a zombie. Yeah. yeah. That guy is the lead singer of Everclear. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But he comes back like five minutes later as a zombie and then gets his head exploded. Yep. Um, We've also got Howie uh, from the Backstreet Boys, who is my vote for the uh, maybe the second or worst actor in this movie. Uh, He plays Vaquero. Um, (laughs) Who sometimes has a Californian accent and sometimes sounds like he's Speedy Gonzalez. (laughs) Yes, yes. He can't really decide if he's actually a Mexican character or not or if he's just Hispanic and from the States. That was maybe out of all of the things in this movie, one of the most distracting elements (laughs) is how often he would speak in Spanish in a very thick like Mexican accent and then other times just be like, yo, bro, what's up? Mm -hmm. I'm like, decide please please decide along that same line i think the most and there's a lot that's distracting in this movie but the most distracting thing were to me was his character uh komodo Mm -hmm. the mexican playing a japanese stereotype yeah (laughs) then uh uh what was her name the scythe Serene. Serene. Serene, the the huntress, the tracker, the Native American stereotype. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, was... played by Nick Carter's wife. Yes, um, who also did fine for not being an actor. Like she's fine. Yeah, yeah. fine. Again, in Everyone a student film, mm-hmm. I would be like, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a movie on sci-fi. No, <laughs> no, not so much. Um, to round out the cast, we've got... Uh, <laughs> there are more. There's there so are more. many there's people in this movie... <laughs> Too many. ...that you don't know by name. Uh, uh, there's uh, Delios, Delios Kennedy, that's definitely pronounced wrong, from All for One, <laughs> as Jean, the mustached guy. Oh, my God. I think that's the like, the shop owner... Yeah. ...who has the, the worst, worst fake mustache, mustache. Yes, in the yes. history of cinema. Just like... Yeah. What? Yeah, it's clearly like taped on and moving a lot. It's 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 worse than the sheriff's sideburns, which were also very bad. Yeah, they were <laughs> but very the bad. The mustache but... looks like they went to like Party City <laughs> yeah. and just like Slapped bought a kit. Yeah, that was like fake mustaches for a quarter. Um, we also have the singer of Crazy Town, Seth Binzer, uh, as Decker. He is a character who just gets his throat slit by Apocalypta for some reason. Oh, yeah, okay. There's no real up. reason. Yeah. AJ's yeah. like, hey, I found this guy who can help us. And she goes, Fah! no. And you're like, okay. 
<laughs> make him a zombie. Right. Um, Are we supposed to think that he was somehow coming to kill her? I think there was some. Was that it? Like he I caught don't him know. or something? Yeah, wow. or she you could see through. You read way into that. I didn't. Yeah, I was <laughs> just was like, a line oh, later that's on the guy from Crazy something. Town. Yeah, I don't know. I got. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, Tommy McCarthy from No Authority plays Deputy Dylan. Who? I don't, I know. don't know. What's No Authority? I don't even know what I've that is. I've never heard of that. Here's another one I've never heard of. Keith Jeffrey from Atlas Genius. They're as, making this up now. Yeah. <laughs> They're making this up. He now. plays Henchman. Which could have been pretty much anyone in the movie. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, we mentioned Deborah Wilson before, she, who plays Apocalypta, who is the main, uh, the baddie. And there is a saloon girl called Trixie, who is played by Chloe Latanzi, who is uh, Olivia Newton-John's daughter. Oh. <laughs> so this cast, as you can tell, is all over the place. Wow. Yeah. That's Nick is flabbergasted. I'm right flabbergasted. Why? Why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like what? Uh, what dirt did they have on her to get her <laughs> in this movie? I, yeah, I and don't. Then, okay, so and she's the one then that bites the lip of Komodo. Yeah. Yep. Who she's like one percent zombie and then turns him into a zombie. The. Okay, were we supposed to feel that was funny? No. That she, the, her biting his lip. I didn't think it was funny. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell either. That's at the end of the movie when everyone is dying. No, I know. Um, she <laughs> she gets bit on the shoulder. Yeah. And so this is uh, Komodo's uh, girlfriend, lady, yeah. whatever friend. Love interest. In uh, love thing. interest. Yeah. Yeah. They make out a lot in this one scene that doesn't really make sense <laughs> in the rest it. of the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. made me think, like, are they actually married? And they were like, can we have this scene? But I looked it up and I don't think they are. Oh, so they huh. were just like, let's put this make out scene in there. Uh, Maybe midway through shooting, they were like, hey, you want to make out scene? Yeah, yeah want to make out scene? Let's do it. Uh, so <laughs> they, when she gets bitten by a zombie, he goes over because he's all sad right. about her being future zombie. And he leans down to kiss her. And as he does, she bites his lip like partially off, mm-hmm. which then, of course, will turn him into a zombie. Right. He doesn't want to be a zombie, so he then uh, stabs himself with his uh, katana. Which also doesn't make any sense. That wouldn't stop you from being a zombie. No. Also, right. it's going to be a miserable, slow death, and then yeah. you still become zombie. Yeah. Like, yeah. cut your head off somehow. I thought he was going to be badass and cut his head off. Yeah. The yeah. way he lifted yeah. the sword up, I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 No, he just stabs himself in the stomach. Yeah. And it, with a bad CGI knife. Yes. Or Very sword. bad CGI sword. He, like, stabs it. You can kind of see it goes off to the left a little bit of his <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he falls over, and you can see this, like, little gray thing yep. just, like, pivoting around <laughs> his back. Um, okay. But, yeah, I, I didn't. I did not necessarily think that was funny, but I was like, "What else did you think was gonna happen? You kissed a zombie." Yeah. I, I, good job with the cast, by the way, because <laughs> uh, that did blow my mind. Like, there's a lot yeah. there that I'm like, "What?" Mm-hmm. And who all thought yeah. this would be good? Well, it's funny because the ones that I recognized visually, where I was like, "I'm pretty sure that's the singer from Crazy Town," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Look it up." I'm like. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, one last note about the cast. When Nick Carter conceived this movie, uh, he had like went to a Comic-Con in like 2014 and talked about this as like, I want to make a zombie movie. And it, like headlines started coming out like that he wanted to have his Backstreet Boy friends and NSYNC friends in it and they were going to be together in this movie. And his initial pitch was like, hey, everyone who was ever famous in the 90s and 2000s want to be in my movie? Most of them clearly said no. Uh-huh. But he directly reached out via Twitter, um, which is the best way to get someone cast in your movie, uh, to Mel B from the Spice Girls, 
Oh, she got better things to do. Yeah, she's like hosting America's Got Talent and stuff. She's way better off. Uh, He wanted Jonathan Taylor Thomas, uh, who is also not really acting anymore. But Um, still a better actor than anyone else in this And then he wanted the the poor man Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Devin Sawa, um, who I feel like totally could have been in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's got, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, He wanted uh, Hilary Duff. Yeah, Hillary Duff is so much better than this. Yeah, movie. she's busy too. He also wanted Cisco, who I feel like he maybe could have gotten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for some reason didn't show up. My favorite thing, though, that my favorite person he tried to go after to get in this movie uh, to play his brother. First of all, he didn't think of his own brother because I think they have some family issues uh-huh, going on uh-huh. with the Carter family. Uh, he wanted Niall from One Direction to play his young brother in this movie. Why is that weird? Because One Direction is still a very huge popular band, and Niall is popular on his oh, own. Oh, One Direction. Yes. The One Direction. The, I'm the, sorry. The I, very famous, still popular, yeah. relevant boy band. Right. Uh, I like that Nick Carter did think he could get him. Yeah. Well, you gotta try. Yeah. I also would have uh, liked to hear his I, American accent. I wish he had tried more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not for that, but for this movie. There's a lot of not trying enough in this movie. Yes. In, in like big, big, big ways. What is uh, your, what do you think is the most egregious? The, okay, first of all, do we need more zombies? I don't know. I, I, I give that as a, as a question to the, <laughs> to the world. I don't know that we need another zombie tale. Two, if you're going to retell The Magnificent Seven, don't make it a Western. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. Because yeah. you know what? It's been done a couple <laughs> times now. And, 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 and then if you are going to tell a story of two generations after a zombie apocalypse, look, the world would be fundamentally different mm-hmm. two generations later. That means that everybody in this movie is virtually everybody that we see on screen was born after yeah. the apocalypse. So mm-hmm. they're going to be acting differently. That boy yeah. who sits on the stairs is never going to sit and talk to a strange man no. on the stairs. He's going to be on his toes the all the there. time. Absolutely. That's actually a really good it's, note that I had not thought about is – that most of these people are younger than this event. It would change what they're wearing. I don't know where this clothes are coming from. It's going to change what uh, running the, the brothel, which is this yeah. this building in the middle of nowhere, has electricity somehow. There's no indication of how any of this stuff is actually working. Well, especially in this because world. they mentioned in the prologue that like there's no water, no electricity, yeah. da, da, da. and so only very small like cities do have these things that they've like stockpiled or they have. Something I don't. Really I suppose, know how they have it, but, but but even even the even the landscape is going to change. The yeah. vegetation is going to change. Yeah. Like you can see people wearing clothes they brought from home because they came to be extras as yep. zombies in this movie. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and, and like... if the movie was clever enough about how to use them and was able, it would, if they'd made it, uh, if they'd taken that that kiss moment where he, he the uh, Komodo kisses her and then he turns, if they'd made that kind of stuff funny, if they'd had some sense of levity about mm. it, then then at least it might have been one of these things that's so bad it's kind of it knows it's so bad and it's being sort of. <laughs> Right. And funny, yeah. but Which is feels Sharknado. Me, but the, right, exactly. Right. This is a vanity project by a person who wants to be the badass in the movie. I yep. got the sense that he uh, you know, tried out for the Magnificent Seven remake and wanted the Chris <laughs> Pratt part and didn't even get an audition. And it's like, okay, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to make my own movie where I'm the guy, <laughs> the gunslinger. You know what? And we saw exactly what that was, and it was horrible. Yes. It was horrible. It was. I will say there are a couple redeeming moments and qualities to it for me. Uh, I enjoy the Whiskey Joe performance throughout. The jokes he tosses out, the lines he tosses out. I enjoy him like anytime he's on screen. When they cut away from him, I want to be back with him. (laughs) Uh, At one point he gets separated from the group 
and that is torture because the rest of the group is very boring. Um, <laughs> he's just, he's unpredictable. He's unpredictable. Yeah, he's unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, he needed a director. Right. Yes, he needed absolutely. Somebody... I'm not saying his acting is good. I'm just saying it's the most interesting character. He got of into the a seven. character and and they just sort of let him go. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's fine. They're like, you're an old cowboy who likes whiskey. He's like, I got it. <laughs> like, what do you think yep. of this? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> this is my same impression. Basically, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it is. Yeah. But you can have stuff like that and, and still, you know, uh, preserve that character. If you have a director on set who can walk up to you and go, okay, let's take that again. Um, I really like this element of that because of these reasons. And what do you think? You you have those conversations, mm-hmm. but those conversations weren't happening here. This no. was basically like, look at this funny thing he's doing. Just right, keep I doing think, that. Like right. there are actually some genuinely funny lines that I think were just tossed in because people were like, that is funny. Just do that. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's one moment where they're walking into this warehouse, and I think it's Howie just goes, it's a big ass door, and it's just mm-hmm. like yeah. the most weird mm-hmm. line. Is, no mm-hmm. one would ever write that into a script, mm-hmm. but they're walking into this warehouse. This is a big ass door, and I'm like, that's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not smart enough to have written that line, probably, mm-hmm. but thank you for including it. <laughs> See, here's a movie where I get a little confused mm-hmm. about something, and I want your guys' opinion on this. Okay. If you have a movie like Manos, I kind of know what the filmmakers thought at the end of it. Like, we made this thing, and it's terrible, but we made it. Did they think either while making it or at the end of making it, why don't people like this like they like The Walking Dead? Because oh. we have zombies, yeah, mm-hmm. and they're cool, and we have gunfights. Headshots. And, yeah. yeah. So or headshots. do they think we're making something that's better than The Walking Dead because it's more science fiction, I guess, or something? I'm not really sure. Or yeah. do they honestly not care? I feel it's difficult because I don't think it's it's difficult because it's associated with asylum. And that's what makes mm. me think that they knew what they were doing to a point. I think I think this gets made with asylum and on sci-fi, you know what you're doing. I think you know, oh, we're going to the people who make Sharknado. We're not going to make act them, like ask them to make our serious movie. As much as I think Nick Carter and the people involved really leaned into the seriousness yeah. and are trying to make this an earnest film, not not like Ernest goes to camp, <laughs> but like uh-huh. Ernest scared stupid. <laughs> yeah, thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more like Ernest scared stupid. Ernest undead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ernest and his boy band friends, um, but like it's yeah. I I don't think. They, I really hope that everyone involved in this is not naive enough to believe that what they have made is on par with The Walking Dead. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've been teaching film students for too long, but it, I sensed a real desire among some people behind this movie to make it a movie where you really feel something at yeah. the end for these characters, where you really feel that that Jack is so cool when he looks over his squints into the sun underneath his hat. I, what I wonder is if the people they went to for the, they couldn't get money from anybody else, mm-hmm. so they go someplace and 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 they and they go to asylum. And they say, "Hey, we want to make this movie," and they're la- like sniggering in the background, saying, "This could be a real disaster and perfect for us, yeah. right?" Like, well, let also the, thinking, let them try and hey. make this movie that like maybe that they're they're going for something yeah. big, and then it falls on its face, and that will be great. That'll still be great for us. It is, there's no loss for them mm-hmm. if it, because if it turns also out the terrible. marketability of. 
Exactly. This is the Backstreet Boys zombie movie. Exactly. The tagline on the movie says "Larger than life." Yeah. Which may, like means, means nothing. nothing for this movie. <laughs> right. But is actually a Backstreet Boys song. Right. So there's also I saw like there was sci-fi marketing that said like say bye 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 to yeah. zombies. There's like, no downside for them to no, make true. this movie. And, it and costs so, so and, little. And so I think you have a, a, a sort of mismatch between some of the people making the movie. Some think they are making something that's more, I don't know if they think it's better than Walking Dead, but they think it's 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 equal to. Mm-hmm. Well, and I guess I, I don't know what Asylum's role was if they were the production house true, true. or if they were the distribution company. Because those two yeah. things would true. be very different. True. Yeah, because I think... They are listed as producers. Like the people who run Asylum are listed as producers, but that again could mean right. they came in after this was made yeah. and just agreed to release it, or they kicked or... in some money for some CG, right? You know, at the right. end of it, right. where they're like, you know what? In order to sell this a little bit more, let's make some of these a little more gruesome, right? 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 Or something. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm unaware of the history there. Yeah. Uh, I am with you. I, I'm feeling like I, I, I like, like I told you when we walked in. Yeah. That like this is something I would expect from a lot of student filmmakers. Mm-hmm. That it's like oh, yeah. it's exposed pretty much properly. Mm-hmm. It's you know it has a narrative. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's reaching beyond its grasp, mm-hmm. and they didn't listen to anything in screenwriting because they were more interested in having fun. Right. And sometimes that can work. Evil Dead that can that mm-hmm. can work. Mm-hmm. You know, although I shouldn't compare this to Evil Dead because no. Evil Dead's a fucking masterpiece <laughs> compared to this, but. It feels like they were trying for something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I agree. I think to make us feel like mm-hmm. th- there were deaths where you're like supposed to feel so. something there. Um, so, yeah, I, I I was legitimately confused. I also want to say, though, I did have a lot of fun watching this. Did you? I did. Did you? I had fun. When? Not <laughs> not for any other reason except for especially a couple of the performances. Like any time Deborah Wilson was on screen, mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, <laughs> you are going for it. <laughs> and I had fun. I, I'm also completely apathetic towards zombies mm-hmm. now. I don't care. I don't want to see any new zombie stories. Joss Whedon once pitched a zombie story at Comic-Con that I was like, yes, I would watch that zombie story uh-huh. and that's pretty much it, which is what if you actually had the cure and you couldn't just shoot every zombie because uh-huh. you could actually cure them uh-huh. and your whole job was to get the 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 cure from point A to point B. Like he said, he was more interested in that and suddenly I was like, I'm more interested mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. It was it's not, they're not just fodder. That makes right. me rethink how I played Last of Us. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I shouldn't have been killing any zombies. <laughs> Look, I have tried every game you can play where you are in sneak mode, and I always lose until I go into, oh, I'm just going to kill everybody. Now I can win the game. Um, but so I, I am also there. And so it was also fun to me to just sort of see, like, there's so many B-movie uh, zombie movies. And I know this one maybe is because there were boy band members in it, maybe because I kept going... Why is Eric Estrada in a samurai outfit? <laughs> Maybe they're you know, wearing Jordans. Wearing Jordans. <laughs> like what you know, why did they cast this person here and this person here that my brain was engaged through the whole thing? <laughs> Not with the film. I wasn't with right. the arc. I wasn't right. with any of the characters. I wasn't with any of the characters. You can't you can't be. You no. can't be. And then I was constantly like, we got some, I think some race racist racist problems mm-hmm. here. Yeah. That like again, something. At least a lot I, of like cultural ignorance and stupidity of like appropriation well you're right straight yeah. appropriation but i don't i don't think it's even purposeful i think they were thinking they're being respectful or uh, 
give them the benefit of the doubt, I think they're also looking at it of we're so far removed from this human society that everyone's like regressing back to like older forms of living. And I think her becoming more of like a native type person was their like one of the explanations. Like some people became cowboys, some people became ninjas, she became a native tracker. And I think you gave it a lot of. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was not what they were thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just like, cowboy, yeah. Indian, biker, this, <laughs> like, but, but just, YMCA, but, go. Right, right. right. I, no, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. But I, like, that was also just so distracting, especially when uh, Serene, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Serene came on, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. That's. And, and that's what I kept sweat lodge as well. Right. Yeah. And then I keep thinking yep. in my head, okay, well, 2004. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess yeah. is, you know, I, I guess it's still not acceptable. But then 2016, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, the, but then I guess to me, the other thing I found uh, intriguing was. Some of the makeup was really good. Some of the makeup effects in terms of like uh, blood and gore and, and, and zombie makeup was like, well, this is not bad. Yeah. The practical effects in this movie were pretty decent. They were decent, yeah. I would say. They're not great. No. But like if I made a low budget zombie film, I would be happy with those practical effects. Like, mm-hmm. it was, okay, this is okay. Um, but then <laughs> we add the the CG on top of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In some really weird places, like the first one is the sheriff, <laughs> mm-hmm. with, who they, who they can't wake up. Which what what in the hell? What? Oh yeah, there's a sheriff at one of the towns. Yeah, right. who they're trying to wake him up, and there's zombies trying to eat him, and then they just eat him, and he still doesn't wake up. Yeah, I don't really yeah, understand. He, he sleeps through being eaten by a zombie or bitten bit by a zombie and ter- being turned into a zombie, and yeah. then he wakes up. But as yeah, he, he is, does. Yeah. as he is sleeping there. You see his wounds, and mm-hmm. you see CGI blood just staining his shirt yeah. in the mm-hmm. most like paintbrushy way. Yep. <laughs> that yeah, that's one of the worst. I think this maybe the other most gratuitous because it is so blatant and on the screen for a while <laughs> is a uh, poor whiskey Joe, um, his death, which I think is maybe the only little piece of like a character arc with some foreshadowing built in earlier in the movie. You mean because there's one scene where he tells you what's going to happen to oh, him at the end? yeah. Yeah, okay. But I'm saying like as far as characters go, like yeah. a death having some foreshadowing, yeah. everyone else is just like happens out of nowhere. Uh, Howie gets bit in a brothel because um, he's dumb. Um, mm-hmm. Like everyone else is kind of like... At least, everyone else is dumb. Yeah, everyone, everyone is dumb. Uh, They're supposed to be cool. They're just dumb and not cool. They're presented as cool. And they've lived in this world long enough yes, to, they should to presumably be... know. Like, this is the whole thing about people turned into a you know, zombie apocalypse after there have been zombie movies. People would know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. But they, none of them do for some reason. This is all their first experience. Uh, but Whiskey Joe, uh, early in the movie, uh, he has two flasks on his, uh, on his not hips. Not that early. In it's the at the brothel. It's at the brothel. Right. It's about halfway through the movie. Maybe. Yeah. Um, he's drinking out of one flask. That's, we assume has whiskey in it, um, for his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, then the the one uh, brothel lady asks him, like, "Oh, what's the other <laughs> one, one for?" One brothel lady. <laughs> I don't know what they like to be called. Um, the, ask him what the other flask is for, and like goes to grab it. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't take, don't pull that one." He's like, "It's got blood in it," and it, that way, it's rigged up to some explosives. So when I am turned into a copperhead, I will smell the blood and pick up the flask to drink it, and then blow myself up. 
which is precisely what happens, what happens. later uh-huh. on in the movie. Uh-huh. Which he, I actually think is like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. If yeah. You, you know, in a, in a different an, movie, yes. that idea of having like, yeah, I'm going to smell blood, and so I'm not going to live out the rest of my days as a zombie – Fine. Yeah. It's like a, it's an actual like character choice they made for him to like they decided an actual plot point before making the movie mm-hmm. as opposed to like right. along the way being like, oh, shit, how should he die? <laughs> right. um, Everyone has to die. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets his the second the other really bad CGI moment is he gets his oh, stomach God. slit open in the process of the zombie attack and his guts literally spill and dangle out of his stomach uh-huh. and uh-huh. jiggle uh-huh. and they jiggle a lot <laughs> they're very blurry for some reason because i think they wanted to make you like not focus on them that much and they're just terrible cgi sausages dangling from his belly right before he blows up can i ask a question back at the brothel where he where he has this foreshadowing moment the, so they're taken. So the guys come to the the, the group gets split in half. Mm-hmm. The, the the team. Yeah, we are and, given and, Komodo, uh, Howie, Vaquero, and uh, <laughs> Whiskey Joe are the ones who go to the brothel. They go to this brothel that has electricity, and they go downstairs <laughs> into the brothel. She the, the 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 madam leads some of them downstairs. What's happening there? Why why are they they're bringing them down there and they have zombies right. strapped to beds? So they take why uh, Whiskey Joe finds a lady very quickly that he's going to go have some fun with. Um, Komodo is there because he because uh, right. Trixie Trixie's is there. there. Yep. So he's trying to find Trixie, and he's found a bra on a branch somewhere. Yes. and that's his clue that they're nearby. Well, right? he finds a bra, he smells the bra, that's it, and that's goes it. Trixie, right, and knows it's her bra. Ew. Yeah, yep. It's, it's I, uh, very, 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 <laughs> very weird moment. Um, but then they that's how they find out, and they they do allude to that a little bit at the beginning of the movie where she needs to leave town while they're going to go mm-hmm. on this mission. And she's like, I got a friend who's going to get me some work outside of town. And he's like, what kind of work? Yeah. And she's, she's like, like, I don't know. I don't know. Work. Work. Yeah. And, but you can kind of guess just from that moment or it's yeah. like, but again, what you, that's what everyone would be thinking. So, so what do if, something different. Do something right. different. Right. Nope. Instead, right. uh, yeah, like they see more and more like lingerie and stuff on the drying line. Right. And Whiskey Joe's like, a brothel. Right. I can smell it from here. And Lots of smelling. Off. Lots, Lots of, of smelling, smelling ladies going on. Uh, but yeah, then Howie is led by the, the madam of the brothel down to the basement. Yeah. Where there are like, there's some sex happening. There's a woman shaving her legs. And then at the very end, he's shoved into a room with a, a very big zombie lady on a bed who is chained there right? to just bite people? I don't know. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. It reminded me of like they saw Hostel. Yeah. It was very much a hostel scene. Yeah, where mm-hmm. they're going through each room. They only here they're playing it for laughs. Ha <laughs> ha, there might be gay people in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah that, that was the one where Yeah. I don't want to give them too much credit for that scene at all because it was kind of like a weird like, oh, the joke is that there's gay people here. Um but the fact that like Whiskey Joe and the other brothel lady were both kind of like, oh no, cool, you make your money. Like they were cool with it. The joke being in the movie was bad taste. <sighs> yeah. It's... But the characters in the movie handled it respectfully. I suppose. <laughs> sort yeah, of. I, I suppose... don't know. I, I, I was just, God, I would just... You, They could have handled it worse. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They could have handled, they handled it worse. worse. They yeah. could, he, like, yeah. Whiskey Joe could have seen that and been like, right. oh, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nevertheless, the joke itself was homophobic. Yes. yes, but it is. It's a weird hostile situation where they're sort of going room to room, mm-hmm. and the doors are just like they don't know which door, which they don't know what's behind which door, <laughs> which is weird. Mm-hmm. But then they get to the place where basically it's Vaquero gets um, 
bitten, right? Yeah, he. but you don't realize he's been bitten. You kind of see the lady lunges at him, and then he's running out of the hostel being like, guys, it's a trap, it's a trap, it's a trap. Mm-hmm. And as they're running from the brothel, all of a sudden they look back and like, catch up, Vaquero, and mm-hmm. his eyes are all black, and he's got veins, and he's caught in the drying line. Yeah. And then they have to shoot him. I After think I, Whiskey Joe plays the harmonica a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. plays Amazing Grace mm-hmm. on the harmonica mm-hmm. and then shoots his friend in the face. Mm-hmm. I uh, might have looked down at my phone at that point. At which point? Where I missed him get bitten. You don't see it. Oh, okay. You see that, like, he sh- they shove him into the room and you see the, the lady zombie go, Rah! and then it cuts away. Okay. It's meant okay. to be a surprise. Right. Like, I so literally assume... <laughs> might have just, like, gone, what time is it? Right. Oh, and then I missed it. Okay. Right, and so I think you're just, like, you're supposed to assume he's dead at that point, sure. maybe, or he got attacked. And so then when he's running up the stairs, being like, guys, it's a trap, you're like, oh, cool, he got away. And then they run outside the brothel, and then you realize, oh, he didn't get away. Yeah. He got bit. He was stupid anyway. Yeah. So Nick enjoyed watching the movie. It sounds like you did not. I hated every minute of this oh movie. please tell me why i hated every because i i look th- this movie offends me <laughs> N- not the movie itself no i think you and i might be on the same page but go ahead the fact that people get that 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 this money the, this movie got money to get made and that money could have made better movies that could have that money could have made movies by people who thought through the world they were creating the characters that they had that that, that was directed by someone who had a point of view Mm -hmm. that was shot in a way that makes this glorious countryside that we live in not just look flat Mm -hmm. like there there are there are it was a waste it was a waste of, of people's time and effort and talent and i and i resent the people behind this movie for for wasting that time on this material would that be Something you could say about every asylum picture? I've never seen another asylum picture. Okay. I don't cuz I think they would probably all fall into that category for you. But 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 don't my again, I haven't seen so you can tell me. But isn't part of them like the the Sharknado stuff is supposed to be so bad it's good stupid fun. Specifically Sharknado's yeah. 2 through whatever. Right, I think the first one again, I have not seen any of the Sharknado's. I have seen other some some of the other uh, asylum pictures, but I think Sharknado is in line more so with some of their other pictures of like Mega Croc versus mm-hmm. Giant Octopus, mm-hmm. where it's just like they have. I think it's a similar structure actually, where like the characters in this film are serious. They're trying to be. There's a few jokes here and there. There's some gratuitous nudity, that kind of thing, but they're pretty earnest. And I think what happened was Sharknado caught on uh-huh. in like the zeitgeist of yeah. like a crazy name, a yeah. crazy concept. And there yeah. was maybe one or two celebrities recognizable in the first one. Right. Um, and so they well, started Well, no, making... I mean, the the main cast has remained. Right, like the yeah. core. But I think like they keep adding mm-hmm. with every Sharknado. They keep adding like more and more like 90s relevant like, yeah. actors into it to get you to bite. No pun intended. Sorry about you that You didn't mean one. to do that on purpose. <laughs> I didn't, I swear. Um, oh, you're working at a meta level. Yeah, as I said it, I hated myself. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit, but then I was kind of came back around. I was like, that's good. That's right. Um, but yeah, I think they used to be more in the business of making the sincere sort of not parody but mm-hmm. right right like right. homage where we're trying to steal money from something that well, actually exists we we talked about it, they're mockbusters right yes exactly yeah. and i think this is living in that sort of in between space and yeah. it's not a direct homage to the magnificent 7 because they didn't 
Oh, I think they maybe thought it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> they didn't do that very well. I feel like they thought it was, but hadn't seen any of the Magnificent Seven <laughs> maybe or they just Seven Samurai. Right, right, right. um, but yeah, I think I, they just took some ideas and thought they were making a serious movie at first, and then it got in the sci-fi filter and asylum filter, and it that's just kind of the thing they make is like I think they make things that you would say. Why give this money? Yeah, I, I think I think really I smell vanity project on this. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. smell ba- like not good vanity project. I think yeah. if it wasn't, if it didn't have that, maybe I could go along with a little bit. But I smell a whiff of of of, of undeserved privilege in this movie. Yeah, that that, that rubs that me fair. really really the wrong way. Because it, without that cast of boy band members, this doesn't get made. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't get made at this high of a level. Anybody else walks in with this pitch. Oh yeah, no. This movie did, probably doesn't get made. I, I agree. Th- with there that. would be people yeah. who could get it made, but anybody, any, a no name. But I don't think the budget pitch. or premiering on the Sci-Fi Network would happen. Yeah, right. Without like Nick Carter yeah. saying, "I want to make a zombie movie with all of my boy band friends." Yeah. Like that's the way you get this made yeah. because that's every headline that I ever I, saw about this movie when it came out was Backstreet Boys and In Sync coming together to make a zombie movie. I do not hold it against the people who gave them the money to make it. I hold them I hold it against the people who use the money in this way to tell this right. story in this way. Yeah. I agree with that. Um it is something that frustrates me a lot. And it's a weird thing too because like when you pitched that to me if you said, "Hey, the Backstreet Boys want to make a zombie movie with In Sync." I'm like, "Well, that sounds like a cool idea." <laughs> sure, go for it. But like then more when like you a Saturday look, morning animated cartoon. Well, I mean, even that, but like you, the the issue here is more that this movie is nothing. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing here, and I, I'm not saying that in a metaphorical way. I'm saying that there's there's no real story, there's no real plot, there's no real characters. It's nothing, mm-hmm. and it's not even a jokey way to get them to sing. Right. You know, or, right. or or it's it, one of the songs at the end is by them. I think it's a new version of one of their songs or something. No, it's a completely new, a song, completely new song. But it is like, it's one of those things that like if you announce outside of this movie, hey, members of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC are going to record an original song together. That's like a big deal in the music yeah. world. But because they did it for this movie, mm-hmm. it was barely a ripple. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I don't know, Matt. What was your so? Uh, as I said earlier, I think I am the resident boy band expert. Uh, growing up, I was very much in the pop music. Like I was in like sixth grade buying Backstreet Boys albums and In Sync albums, and so it's very much a nostalgia thing for me. Mm-hmm. Where I'll still listen to those CDs from time to time, just because it reminds me of being like sixth, seventh grade. And I heard about this movie coming out. And I was like, oh, I'm definitely watching that. And I watched it, like, the month it came out. Like, I watched it as soon as I could, like, mm-hmm. um, online. And I enjoy I, – I feel like I enjoy watching it. I can see all of its faults. I can especially see where the filmmakers didn't care. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most egregious things. It's just, like, the moments where you're like, you didn't even care to – try mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we talked about this like, the idea that like the when uh, apocalypta is killed yeah that moment is so mm-hmm. it is literally the climax right the most important thing they've been talking about through the entire <laughs> movie is that they need to kill apocalypta and the way it's done is once like whiskey joe blows up or maybe it's when komodo stabs himself somebody dies it cuts back to jack fighting 
uh, Apocalypta, and they're face to face, looking like they're about to kiss, and they're just grinning and staring at each other really intensely. You didn't see what led up to this moment. Yeah. They're just there, and then all of a sudden you hear like a stabbing noise, and Apocalypta slowly falls, and she is dead. And that's it. Well, then the then the zombies come in too. Right, the zombies kneeling finish around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then immediately Nick Carter is bitten by a little girl zombie, and then he is killed and turned into a zombie. Uh, but that moment, like all the deaths up to then, as much as they like didn't mean anything, and in the moments they like really try to be emotional, and they're not. At least they had time to build to it and mm-hmm. show you. Like, oh, we see him getting surrounded slowly, so we he's going to die we in know that it's spot. Coming. Yeah, yeah. We see Komodo's uh, uh, Trixie. We see her get bit, and then we see him get bit. Like, we see the moments leading to that. With the main villain being killed with an off-screen stab that we didn't see mm-hmm. a knife, I don't think, at any point. She pulls it, right? She has, doesn't she have the knife? Did she? she comes at him with a oh, knife. Oh, yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but it's confusing. You don't... Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. because you didn't... Before that... It's maybe been three, four minutes right. since you've seen that exactly, knife. Exactly, exactly. You, you forget she has it. I did. Um, and I've seen this movie twice. And <laughs> even the second time I was like, what's that? Oh, right, stabbing. Um, but without that sound of the like, yeah, you don't know that she's being <laughs> stabbed. You yeah. just see her fall slowly to the ground without him having to exert much effort at all. Mm-hmm. This is a classic, I don't want to say student film, but definitely young filmmaker yeah. thing is you come back from your shoots and you go, oh, we didn't get the shot to say this right. thing. Right, and that's where the ineptitude comes across too because there's other scenes where they got five angles of Billy walking <laughs> right, from the right. motorcycle over to a shed. Right. Also, they... you would have no gas, by the way. Yeah. Well, I also read something about this movie, like a review of this movie, where they pointed out that if you pay attention, he rides that motorcycle about 10 feet at a time. Like he never like really rides it in the movie. He like rides it like over to like someone and pushing then stops. it from off screen, and he just like, yeah. goes. They put in the sound like, later. All right, we need a downhill <laughs> section of the set. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy the movie. I'm not gonna necessarily say go watch it. I think if you like me are a fan of boy bands and like seeing them just do fun stuff, you will enjoy it. Especially if you're like, oh, hey, that's Joey Fatone being Yosemite Sam. That's crazy. Oh, Nick Carter is taking himself seriously as the bad, like, the badass. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what the filmmakers probably wanted you to think. But I think that's what makes it enjoyable for me. And able to watch it multiple times and still enjoy it. Well, then, on that same note, like, I, I think it's fair to move into asking how we would fix this. Okay. Um. Tobin, I, I fear I know your answer. <laughs> burn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have to burn this to the ground. Yeah, I, I look, look, and it may be it, there's a taste issue as well. Yes, I, 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 my wife jokes that I'll watch almost anything. You mm-hmm. put on something, and there's a, you know, shadows are flickering on that wall. A movie's being projected. And I'm going to watch it. Right. Um. And so, so, so I like to think that I have, I have sort of broad taste. However, I, I, so, so there's a taste, there's a taste component. If someone is going to make a boy band 90s boy band west zombie western <laughs> then there okay there are things that you could do you could you could um choose a, a character to follow through uh, the course of the movie you could um uh, develop them as a human being you could come up with the rules of the world the metaphysics of the zombie uh, how is apocalyptic controlling these zombies she she like 
licks blood out of one of their mouths at one point in a kind of cool moment. She does this thing, but I'm like, how does that not turn into a zombie? This was exactly what my feeling yeah, was. Just like, oh, wait, is she, this not blood transmitted? Is she inoculated? Is there something that's yeah. special about her? That they're she's... really lucky it's not blood transmitted, by the way, because at blood. one point in the movie, there's two <laughs> girls who are about to be attacked yes, by zombies. Yes. <laughs> Billy rides up on his motorcycle behind him shoots very dangerously both zombies in the back of the head and their head just explode onto in a cloud girls, of blood yeah. onto these two girls these women are, yeah. which was one of my favorite moments because it, it's one of those like oh the hero's gonna save the girls but he pulls up splatters them with blood and then just peels away <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like yeah okay that's at least a little bit of a turn on the traditional <laughs> movie moment yeah. but yeah. yeah apparently blood is not the answer yeah so so so, it, so you would solve those problems and you would you know you would work out the lore the mythology of it all I just don't want to. I, I don't know that I want to see that movie either. So, sure. so I, there are ways. Look, there are ways you could do it. I, I would just burn it to the ground and <laughs> go make something else. <laughs> right. Matt, um, a lot of my issues were small things like that, like building up the lore and like even the smallest things of like it opens with that attack on whatever junction, and then we cut to another town and it just says ten miles east. It doesn't say if it's east of that town. It doesn't say east of where. <laughs> That's a great point. It just says uh, this city, 10 miles east. And then later on, we get like uh, the, the brothel and it says 22 miles north. And you're like, of where? <laughs> well, of also, the last place where we were? <laughs> am I trying? supposed to be tracking this? Right. Like, like <laughs> okay, did we just move 10 miles east and now we're going straight north from there 22 miles? Because I'm confused. And just those are the moments where I'm like, they didn't care enough mm -hmm. to really think that through. They were just like, it needs to be further away. Okay, it's 22 miles away. Got it. Graphic sky goes in. <laughs> um, my biggest thing, and I think one of the things that you could fix without having to completely undo the movie would be the editing. I think if the footage is there, which maybe it's not, maybe everything was shot well, to be very- Well, that's the big question. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe everything was shot to be that quickly edited, because it was made by like a TV music video producer guy. Mm -hmm. But I think there are scenes that you could let linger just three seconds longer. Mm -hmm. And the Frames. pacing. Mm -hmm. the, just, yeah. Like the joke <laughs> that you talked about where the girls are splattered with blood. Yeah. Just as that joke was starting to sink in, they yep. cut it away. Right, and I'm like, right. you could have given me five more frames, right. 10 more frames. Yes. And that would have been funny. Right. Yes. And I. Those are the moments in the film for me where I'm like, that could have been scary mm -hmm. had you let it, like, mm -hmm. if you cut it off just a hair earlier mm -hmm. before you see the zombie trip or you see, like, that zombie slip out of character or something. Like, there's little moments that I feel like it's not going to make it a great movie. I think it can be a better movie mm -hmm. with better editing. So that's, yeah. if I was going to make a better version of the same movie, sure, I would change the editing. I think to me, most of this is conceptual. Most of the problems I have with it are conceptual problems. It's like you didn't conceive this. I don't, I don't nothing is fully conceived. It's not a character piece. It's not scary. Uh, it's it's overcut to feel like uh, Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, mm -hmm. without understanding that <laughs> the, the, without understanding what fast cutting is used for. Right. Um, it's oh, like yeah. it's like Battlefield Earth, which I don't know if either of you've ever seen. Thankfully, not yet. Yeah, you will. I but, assume. <laughs> but Battlefield Earth, everything, every angle is canted, but uh, it doesn't. And Roger Ebert said, I think, it, it, but they didn't. The filmmaker never bothered to figure out why other filmmakers who do that. Who directed that movie? I can't remember. Uh, it, it, he's made other things though. Okay. Um, 
So conceptually, I think this movie is a problem. Um, if you start with nothing fully formed out and you're not like an ensemble cast who's going to go in and do something like uh, – who's the guy that did uh, MASH? Robert Altman. Robert yeah. Altman. If you're not going to go in and do something like Altman where you work with characters mm-hmm. and you work with actors and then it becomes about that, mm-hmm. then l- you literally have nothing. Right, you, right. you just have nothing to do. Here's my thing is the two ways I looked at this that I could have found something interesting, and this is what I would tell a student if I got this script. I would say, okay, one, you could make this just first of all, make it a zombie thing that's in the Old West. Don't don't yeah, do this yeah. in the Good future. Call. Just yeah. make it a city that's cut off and they've got to deal with a zombie apocalypse because then you get a focus on characters in their city. You don't have to worry about tracking where they're going. You don't have to worry about you know anything else. You can still have Apocalypta in there somewhere. She's the one leading the charge for whatever. I'm still not sure what she was trying to do, <laughs> but then you you know maybe you give her some sort of um, agency that way. So I think, you know, that's one way. I think it does have to go back to the script, by the way. That's my biggest thing. You think you got to go back to the script. The other thing, which Matt and I talked about uh, yesterday or today, I honestly think this would make an interesting video game. Oh, sure. I think the idea of a main antagonist who is controlling zombies Mm -hmm. in ways we can't figure out, mixed with a Magnificent Seven element... I would play that video game, especially if it's anything from a first-person shooter to an open-world thing like Skyrim. Like, I think the the bare bones of those ideas mm-hmm. are usable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense, too, because, like, the goal is to get up the mountain and kill the boss. Yeah. The characters are a weird, like, concoction. Could have specialties. Yeah. It's like they each have a different, mm-hmm. like, character trait and, like, they're each, each very weapon, each have their own weapon. Right. It's like, okay, you have the cowboy who's got the revolver, mm-hmm. you have the katana, wielding ninja. Like you you have the archetypes there for video game characters. And the chapters feel yeah. like taken yeah. out of Absolutely. Of video game. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was the thing that occurred to me. It's like, I, I don't want to watch this movie, but I would love to play this game. Yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, I, I think those are the two ways that I would yeah. Do it, but both of them require going back to the script and going in a different direction. Can I say that I had a pair of students a number of years ago who wrote a feature that is that ver- that is this movie set in the Old West mm-hmm. that was great. Yeah. It was a yeah, zo- yeah, it was an action like comedy western like period zombie movie. And it was Sam really Raimi good. not made that movie? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's don't like know. his. That's bread his and butter. That's, yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> that's all right there. Yeah, it. I because I, I think it's a simple enough idea that gives you lots of options and lots of ways to deal with characters and lots of ways to think of ways creatively in the screenwriting process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I I would love to do that. Matt, rate yeah. this movie. Ooh, okay. So <laughs> this is going to be interesting because I'm going to have similar things to say, I think, with Tobin, but, but I think we're going to go different yeah. directions. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Uh, so my scale is the uh, possessed mushroom puppet scale, which is a tried and true. Uh, the, the the tried and true. Everyone's using it. The kids these days, it's sweeping the nation. <laughs> um, the PMP scale. Uh, it's a level of enjoyment scale. Um, I don't. I think I might have given Mario Brothers a five. Or a four, maybe? Four or five. I can't remember off the top of my head. I really enjoy watching Super Mario Brothers. You are weird. Yeah. (laughs) This one I enjoy watching, but not as much as Super Mario Brothers. So I feel like I have to give it a three. Okay. I don't don't, don't think I do half stars on my system. 
Uh, a half a mushroom puppet. <laughs> yeah, uh, if I was, if I a did, mushroom puppet is already kind of halved. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I, I'll say it's like a three or a four for me because I do really enjoy watching it, but I can see all of the flaws very clearly. I understand. I understand why you guys don't like it. Whereas, like other films we've watched that we've disagreed on. I don't understand the other person's thinking as much. Like Manos. Yeah, Manos did not make any sense. Yeah. I will never understand the enjoyment of Manos, and I don't think you'll ever understand my enjoyment of Super Mario Brothers. No, I won't. As, whereas, like, with this, I totally get it. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'll do mine now, and I'll let Tobin um, finish up. I rate all of mine uh, with categories, like a storm. So uh, category one, uh, it's not too bad. Maybe it's kind of exciting even. Um, <laughs> and a category five could kill you. I'm honestly going to give this a three. All right. right in the middle. My biggest problem with it is that it is, at the end of the day, kind of nothing. But I also have that same resentment towards it, that it's like the money you spent making this movie if you just put a little more thought into it, with the resources you had at hand, you could have made something much more interesting and much more uh, weird or or even much more straightforward. Like you could have done a lot of different things and instead you did this sort of middle of the road nothing with it. And I, so yeah, I'm gonna say it's a three. It's probably not a film I'll ever watch again. Fair. For any reason. <laughs> well, it's, you know, because like I will watch Manos every once in a while if I'm, you know, in the mood to just sort of be <laughs> ponderous about something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, usually I watch it with the Mystery Science Theater uh, guys, but it's. What if there was a Backstreet Boys commentary? No. Okay. <laughs> just putting that out there. I don't think that no, exists. I would ask you what they said. Because <laughs> I would rather talk to you about it than I would yeah. totally watch. Give that. us the highlights yeah. of that. Yeah. So that's it. A category three for me, Tobin. So I have the the Torgo scale is my scale also <laughs> from Manos uh, one to five Torgos. Torgos being uh, are, how much are there things in this movie to recommend it? This is the second worst movie I've ever watched all the way through. This has wow. made me more angry than all but one other movies that I've seen. To what completion. is that other one? It's called, I'm so glad you asked. It, <laughs> it's called Generation Um, dot, 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 oh, uh, starring Keanu Reeves. Uh, we did a, we did a, I was on a, a podcast about it uh, through cageclub.me. Go find that podcast. It's very entertaining. Generation Um, don't ever watch the movie. So, um, <laughs> I, I, so, so how do I, so how do I, how many Torgos is this movie worth? I tried to give it a half a Torgo because it was shot in Montana and I like the fact that someone's <laughs> coming here and spending money to make a movie. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. But I can't do it. This is zero Torgos. For, oh, there's wow. nothing in this movie to recommend it. This is a, a this movie has no value. This is an incoherent, unmotivated, lazy abomination of a vanity project, and I never ever will watch it again. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I think that does have to do a lot. I think with like my enjoyment does mostly come from my interest in watching the boy band members. Totally. I mean, and I, lo- I think they're like outside of that, there is nothing. There are terrible movies that I love. I'm mm. uh, that's you know, but this is not one of them. No, <laughs> no, no. But if you had to recommend something yes. else that is real good, yes, to leave the audience with so they can go watch something, <laughs> they get the taste out of this. What would your recommendation? So be? I'm going to give two. One, I assume people have seen, but I would send them back to the Seven Samurai, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Which this movie doesn't know it's drawing on, and is because <laughs> it's drawing on it maybe through having seen you know uh, 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 like a preview, a, a trailer, trailer for, for Magnificent. 
Magnificent <laughs> Seven, right? So yeah. it's like we're through Somebody several. Somebody told them. Yeah. I saw this movie once. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, what? someone said, you know what this movie's kind of like? Magnificent Seven. And then described it and they went. So <laughs> I would urge people to go back and watch uh, Seven Samurai, which is which is a beautiful film that gets me. It's more, uh, I feel such emotion as the characters who do die because they yeah. don't all die. But those that die in that movie, I really feel for them in that movie. But the other one I'm going to recommend is a 2009 movie called Carriers. Have you guys ever seen Carriers? Yeah, I, well, I haven't seen I it, but I've not. heard of it. I know about it. So Carriers is a is a movie made by a pair of uh, twi- uh, twins, um, uh, Alex and David Pasteur. Uh, and it's about a, I guess it's more like a virus movie. It's a small group of people traveling across the country trying to survive, you know, after a, a, a sort of, a, a plague mm-hmm. um, even though the plague kind of turns people into zombies and so they pitched it as kind of a horror movie but it's much more of a sort of and they take the rules of the world very seriously the movie does um, Chris Pine's in it um, oh, wow. um, Kiernan Shipka from uh, Mad Men the girl from Mad Men is in it Christopher Maloney's in it um, uh, it's got a bunch of uh, Emily Van Camp is in it so wow. it's a great cast yeah. um, and it's a, a small little movie that I think is th- that does some of the things this movie is trying to do much 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 better so watch Carriers from 2009. All right. Matt? Uh, I'm going to go a very, very different direction because I was trying to think of things like uh, I almost recommended The Quick and the Dead. Yeah, the thing is yeah. Sam Raimi because mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a Western. Uh, now that we've been talking about it, I was like, make Quick and the Dead 2. Yeah. And then put zombies in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Sam Raimi. What else are you doing? Quick and the Dead cool. also uh, sort of a fantasy Western. Yeah. It's not a it's not a historical. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, it, and it's my that is my favorite western subgenre. It's like High Plains Drifter, mm-hmm. which is it's it's a ghost story set within the western. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think like that would that works as if you want like a fun western that's not like a traditional yeah. western. Right. Uh but my other side of this is leaning on the side of the reason I watched this to begin with was because I wanted to see these boy band members be in this weird movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to definitely got that. You definitely got it. Um, They were definitely in it. (laughs) Um, They were in this movie. Uh, I will say if you uh, like me grew up liking the Backstreet Boys and want to see them in something that's better made than this and uh, features better drama and um, more tension and a main bad guy that is also worse than this bad bad guy because he's real. Uh, watch their documentary that came out in 2015 called Show Them What You're Made Of. Hmm. It's about the Backstreet Boys uh, trying to come together to make like a reuniting tour and album. And it goes through all of their backstory of like how they became a thing. And it talks about that guy, like Luke Luke Perlman, Perlman. and like how much of a piece of shit he was. But also they would not have careers without him. Right. So it's very like for so long they were like, this guy is the best person in, in our lives he made our lives happen and then like realized he stole all of our money huh, huh, huh. um so they deal with that but not all of it no a lot of it yeah <laughs> yeah they still have lots of money yeah but let's be clear <laughs> <laughs> what's interesting about the documentary that like i didn't necessarily expect when i watched it i watched it because it popped up on netflix and i was like this is new oh oh what is this mm-hmm. i'm gonna watch it there's like you, they, it was. It's kind of like uh, the Metallica documentary. Some kind of monster. It's shot like that, mm. like an unfiltered look at this process of being a band. Mm. And the lead singer of the Backstreet Boys, Brian, is like with age, his voice is kind of going out, mm-hmm. and he's struggling through rehearsals mm. and all this stuff. And 
they're just like, all right, let's call rehearsals for today. Let's like, let's rest. And like in one meeting, Nick's just like, maybe Brian doesn't have it anymore. And it's like, oh, fuck. He said what we're all thinking. And so it's the tension is real. The conflict is real. <laughs> right, right, right. And like will make you cringe and be more scared than watching Dead 7. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, sounds, that sounds great. That so, sounds yeah, great. I think it's on Amazon and Netflix and all those things. So uh, check out, show them what you're made of. Excellent. Or I mean, we're made of. Yeah, I will check that out because yeah. that. Yeah, I like stuff like that. I like some kind of monster yeah. a lot too. Yeah, it, and it's like that. You definitely get the awkward moments, but mm-hmm. then you also get to like watch this band succeed and be well, brothers cool. and work together. And nice. Yeah, uh, my real good is a very odd film that I don't know if anybody in this room has seen besides me. Uh, it is called Sukiyaki Western Django. Nope. It nope. is I a, couldn't even spell it. It <laughs> is uh, a, f- a film by Takashi Miike, who is huh. a great Japanese filmmaker, uh, made one of my favorite films called Audition. And uh, it is produced by Quentin Tarantino, who has a small part in the film. And it is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. It is <laughs> funny. It is weird. It's horrifying. It's a Western uh, that takes place in Japan. But everybody speaks English. <laughs> all of the actors are Japanese and they're speaking English. Most of them don't speak English, but the lines are all in English. Mm. But they're also in Western, like old cla- cliched Western English. Uh, That's a partner. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. And it's a weird film to get used to because it's not a typical three-act structure. It's, it's, it's very strange, but it's about this town that is uh, overrun – with two gangs. So it's very much like Yojimbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's two gangs and uh, a guy comes into town, but he's not playing them against each other. He's just coming in town to fucking kill him. <laughs> and his name is Django. And it's inspired by, of course, the Django uh-huh. series, which Twin Tarantino was inspired to go make Django Unchained. Uh, it is very bizarre. There's a lot of also the sort of time differences, like the gangs, one of the gangs wears like 1950 style Letterman jackets. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. the leader is obsessed with Henry VIII and insists that his gang call him Henry. And and the it has one of the great third act climaxes I have ever seen. And it shows a director rolling with the punches. So they were supposed to film the climax. It was all supposed to happen. And they were right at the end of fall. And a snowstorm rolls in. Hmm. And he's like, fuck it, we're going to film this in the snow. And he went out and he got enough B-roll to show the snow start to come down and everything. And it turns into this beautifully, like exquisitely shot uh, duel between a swords guy and a gun guy. And it is, it is, I'm not going to, I can't say this lightly enough. It's a weird movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're in the mood for a weird movie, this is a very rewarding movie. So it's called Sukiyaki Western Django. It's produced by Quentin Tarantino, Takashi Miike, if you like westerns, check it out. Uh, and I like I, I like things. We talked about this. I like things that play with culture and time getting confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think our problem is always that like yeah we're gonna confuse everything with Japanese culture, but we're not having Japanese people. That's it's all white people. And I'm like, well, come on, man. It was the problem with Firefly. Like it's all Chinese and American culture, but only you know, but no Chinese people. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, what? What? Why? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And I think that does it for this episode of Real Bad. Uh, me and Matt are going to be at PodCon. PodCon. December 9th and 10th in Ooh. Seattle. Get your tickets. Uh, we'll be there. I'm going to be doing a couple of um, events 
there. I'm not sure exactly what they're called yet, but I will let you know next week. I'm not and doing nothing. Matt's just hanging out, <laughs> having a good time. And uh, Tobin, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, all one word. And they can find me uh, podcasting through the Cage Club network, cageclub.me. We're doing, as, uh, uh, as I've said before, um, a series of podcasts called Cinemakers about uh, the movies of Steven Soderbergh. And as this podcast comes out, you'll be able to go hear our discussion of one of my favorite movies, The Limey. Uh, from Steven Soderbergh. Which you're about to write a script for. Yes, I am. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Very exciting. Uh, which is great because I, in the syllabus that I gave you, I basically put them leaning on you for this, Tobin. <laughs> this is your favorite movie. Well, wait. one of your favorite movies. One of my favorites, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, excellent. Yep. Uh, Matt, you're at Matthew Gatos on everything? Yeah, pretty much. Twitter, Instagram, that's pretty much all I do these days. I have a YouTube channel also. It's uh, Matthew Gatos, but I don't really use that that much. So it's a, <laughs> it's a dry desert wasteland where occasionally I'll upload a video. I don't upload videos to my YouTube Yeah, anymore. so go subscribe and cross your fingers. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, you can find us at Real Bad Pod. Um, at, and uh, please go to iTunes and rate and review. We'd really appreciate it. Give us five possessed mushroom puppets. Yeah. On iTunes. <laughs> that would be really cool. Okay, well, uh, don't know what we're doing next week. I'm sure it will be something weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but until then, this has been Real Bad. <laughs>